Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, as we mark the occasion, the one-year anniversary of the horrific tragedy that ensued one year ago, early afternoon, I guess, or late morning, it was along Young Street just south of Finch between uh, that and Shepherd. Of course, about two-kilometer stretch where a van plowed down uh, a number of people on the sidewalk, killing 10, injuring 16. And uh, we're noting that today there was an earlier uh, commemorative service inside Mel Lastman Square because of the inclement weather. I'm told there's another vigil of sorts tonight. Uh, first responders, family members, all of those in the community touched by the tragedy. To the point of the first responders, uh, exemplary in their response and included amongst them the police. And Mike McCormick is the president of the Toronto Police Association. Let's hear from him uh, how their members went about it that fateful day. Mike, good to have you back on the Oakley Show. Good afternoon. You there, Mike? Yeah, can you hear me? Or Loud and clear. Uh, yeah, and I appreciate you joining us, too. By the way, uh, do you recall one year ago exactly uh, when you got the call? Yeah, uh, actually, I'll never forget it. And, uh, you know, I was on the scene uh, immediately after, and in my years as a police officer, over 30 years, I've seen, John, you and I have talked about this, some pretty horrific things, um, but I'd never... Like I said, in, in my over 30 years, seeing a scene like that in my life, and, and it's just something that sticks with me to this day. Yeah, you know, and we have talked in the past about it. I recall uh, there were some things that were haunting you going forward from that day, like you, you show up on the scene. Uh, tell us about the cell phones. Yeah, I, I mean, one of the things that was really eerie, but well, first of all, I, I just want to express, you know, um, my condolences and, and uh, you know, thoughts, prayers, uh, and my heart going out to the families and the victims, and then to the first responders, whether that was our uniform members, our civilians, our dispatchers, uh, firefighters, and just the general public that responded to that scene, you know, in the moment of tragedy where people come together, and that was the one thing positive to take away from this. But, you know, John, as we and I have talked about, like being on that scene and hearing what was happening is that there were cell phones that kept ringing. Uh, you would hear cell phones because obviously family members were concerned or people were concerned for people who worked in that area. And one of the things that really stuck out in my mind, I was talking to a couple of officers and we were there where there was a, a fatality and a phone kept ringing and I kept looking at my phone. And one of the officers said, Mike, what are you doing? I said, well, my phone keeps ringing. And they said, well, it's not your phone. And, and, and I looked down and he pointed on the ground and there was a phone right next to uh, one of the victims. And it, you could see on the screen, it was their family member who was calling repeatedly to check up on them. And that's one of the things that just really stuck in my mind uh, from that day to, to, to see that phone and realize the personal impact. And we talk about these tragedies in an abstract sometimes. That was something that really drove home. I, I couldn't imagine how that parent must have felt trying to reach out to their child to see what what, a, what was happening to that and not getting that response. It must have been 
one of the most horrible uh, times of their lives. Again, with Mike McCormick, president of the Toronto Police Association. So the police's job is to gather evidence. How do you approach a scene like that? I mean, you've got first responders who are trying to salvage uh, life and limb, uh, but police in gathering evidence, I guess, to take to the Crown. Uh, walk us through the process on a horrific scene and date like that. Uh, what is the procedure? Well, again, you know, first of all, you know, as you spoke, John, like the scene was over two kilometers, uh, you know, from Finch going right down to Shepherd. Uh, multiple victims, 10 people to see, 16 people injured. So we either have to secure that scene, preserve everything, um, do all the identifications, what people see on the CSI sort of shows, you know, getting all the evidence, all the uh, forensics around that. So it was it was a heck of a scene. We had all of our people, and, and again, we had like people from our uh, public safety unit and everything else out there, um, and we had all hands on deck. And, and again, you know, for in a moment of crisis, our, our members of the Toronto Police Service our mem- were out there doing their job, securing all that, gathering evidence, doing that. And not to mention, like, Kenny Lamb's exemplary arrest, which went viral, uh, you know, a, a, across uh, worldwide, uh, arresting the suspect in this horrible incident. Like, you know, the job that our members did was absolutely astronomical. Yeah, you know, uh, you cited Kenny Lamb. That's the officer who was first on uh, site there when the, the van, I guess, came to arrest on a side street, the rider van with the damage in the front part. Uh, and the individual got out. Lamb had his weapon drawn, uh, and it looked like this individual, allegedly uh, the perp Alex Manassian, wanted the police officer to shoot him. Uh, yeah. How yeah, exactly what was happening? How did he keep us cool and engage in a manner that didn't lead to a further tragedy? Well, I, you, you know, again, like I was talking to Kenny today. Kenny's just a humble guy, and 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 again, like his training and what we do in Toronto, and our our officers are trained that way. And we have a thousands of interactions a year where people come at us with weapons, and often, uh, you know, when I'm talking to other people in the states, for instance, where they're saying exactly that question you had, John. I'm saying that's how our officers are trained. They're trained to deal uh, with the situation as it arises. And Kenny did just a great job uh, from his training and his experience. And, and, you know, uh, again, from a tragic day, this was one of the the shining spots from an otherwise tragic day. But uh, Kenny did a great job. But all of our officers, like I said, are the dispatchers. And we're still dealing with that today with the fallout. And I spoke to other officers on the scene who had the same sort of amount of time that I have on, John. And they were saying the same thing. We'd never seen a scene like that. And nothing can compare, uh, prepare you for that type of scene or that carnage. I'm guessing it engaged different departments, too. You've got homicide, uh, I don't know, maybe traffic. Tell me here. I mean, and even when we don't know in the immediate aftermath, you're wondering, is this a terrorist-linked attack? Who else could there be securing the area? Uh, different facets of the police force and different departments engaged? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we had all hands on deck there. I mean, everything from our investigative units, homicide intelligence, uh, we're looking at whether or not there was a terrorist component to that, and the uniform people out there securing uh, the scene and providing first aid and and providing relief to the people there uh, on the scene, which was horrific enough. But again, like you say, you know, we had every degree of our investigative intelligence uniform people Uh, on deck and and, you know we looked at it as this was now is this the new norm 
going forward. It, you know, Toronto lost its innocence that day, and three months later we were dealing with the Danforth uh, incident. So, you know, I, I think it forever has changed Toronto and changed our police service, and it's just a new reality that we're facing. How did it change the police service? I mean, what did we learn as a takeaway from this tragic event that might uh, have, might stand us in better stead going forward? Well, I, I think what we learned from a policing perspective and, and, and a couple of things is one, from an investigative standpoint, that we have the capacity to deal with these, you know, this global sort of uh, events where now we're not immune from these, uh, you know, like I said, we, we've seen it uh, in other jurisdictions throughout the globe, other cities, uh, our capacity to deal with it, but also from a standpoint of a holistic and uh, dealing with the first responders after dealing with that, making sure that we have the proper resources uh, to support our first responders, whether they're civilian, uh, uniform, or anybody else dealing with the situation, and having that infrastructure to support it. So we learned a lot, and I think we were better prepared, uh, unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, for the Danforth shooting, as I said, which happened three months later. Yeah. All right, Mike. Really good to uh, get an update from your perspective a year ago. Uh, always appreciate your time. Thanks for it. Yeah, thanks for having me. And, and again, John, uh, our hearts and uh, prayers go out to the, to the victims and the families. I think uh, forever people who experience this uh, will be changed forever. Duly noted. Mike McCormick is the president of the Toronto Police Association. Let's come back in a moment, you know, because the commemoration that took place earlier today, there's another one this evening. I was wondering aloud, and I will again, if in fact this is something we ought to observe on an annual basis every year on the 29th or 23rd rather of April. Do we do the same for the Danforth shooting? Important to do? Uh, is there a point too where we can lapse into perpetual grief? Not necessary as a cathartic thing for the family and uh, immediate folks who are impacted by this? Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.